so today as you can see we uh, continue our sermon series on the book of Exodus and today we come to the parting of the Red Sea that familiar famous but seemingly impossible miracle of God and today that's what I want to talk to you about I want to talk about possible and impossible what is possible what seems impossible. Years ago, I was uh, pastoring a little church, and uh, generally speaking, uh, that church did not like to sing, okay? There were exceptions. They actually had a little hardworking choir that was very good, um, but as a rule, that church did not like to sing. They they didn't even do what I call uh, Christian lip syncing, okay? Which is you're moving your mouth and there is a sound coming out, but so low that the person on the left and the person on the right can't actually hear you singing, which is the point, right? Okay? Uh, they didn't even do that. They were just, you know, jaws clamped. Um, they were too tough for that kind of thing. Lovely, sweet, wonderful church. They did not like to sing. And I just remember one day uh, bounding up the stairs in the back of the church, and I'd been thinking about that, and I was frustrated with it, and just kind of spontaneously out loud, I said, Lord, make this a singing congregation. And then immediately I thought, yeah, that's not going to happen. And then I thought, oh, listen to me telling God what's possible and what's impossible. Listen to me saying what I think God can do and what there's no way God can do. What is possible and what is impossible. And come on, that's a human nature point of view, is it not? I mean, I would dare say everybody. There's at least one person in your life, probably an in-law, <laughs> And you think there's no way that person is ever going to change. I could be on my knees in prayer till my knees are bloody and I know it's blasphemous and I know it's wrong and it's not biblical, but I don't think God can change that person. They're not going to change that person, that situation, that scenario. It just seems impossible. What is possible? What is impossible? And I think that's a common temptation in prayer. We tend to pray for those things that we think might just be possible. It's a little harder to pray for those things that just seem like there's no way it's going to be different. And maybe that's why it's so easy to get cynical, pessimistic, depressed, about the world today, the news, the violence in our communities, in our country, the racial strife that we can't seem to figure out, the polarization that just seems to keep getting worse and worse and worse. Can we be saved? Can we be rescued? Or is it helpless? Are we helpless? Is it hopeless? 
is it not going to change? In the story, the Israelites are helpless and hopeless, and yet they dare to cry out. They dare to pray, God hears, God comes, God acts, God saves, God rescues. God changes that which doesn't seem possible to change. Exodus is a story of how over and over God does the impossible. A story of the God who is God over nature itself, who is more powerful than Pharaoh, more powerful than empire, more powerful than all the military might that can be mustered, more powerful than political might, more powerful than economic might. That's the story. And yet none of these claims seem to match the reality that's on the ground. Hmm? The reality is that Egypt is the most powerful thing there is. And Israel is weak. The story on the ground is, is that Egypt has the military might, the economic might, the political might. And Israel has none of these things. There is no way they can win. There is no way they can change the world. It's impossible. And there's nothing left to do. It's a cry out. They dare to pray. They dare to believe in the God of impossible things. And the God of impossible things, as the story goes, leads them into an impossible situation. They have their backs to the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army is coming towards them, ready to slaughter and to show them who is really the boss. Ready to give them a lesson. Ready to help them forget about impossible dreams this is the way it is this is the way the world works get used to it you can't change it stop dreaming get back in line get back to work Moses prays raises his hands raises the staff the Red Sea parts a wall of water on each side dry land in the middle to walk down, think Hollywood extravaganza, think Cecil B. DeMille, think Charles Heston, think CinemaScope in living color. And I don't know about you, but that doesn't help me much. You read the story, it sounds almost impossible. You watch the movie and it seems even more impossible, right? You see the movie, it looks like Hollywood magic. Trick photography, which is what it is. And indeed, for some, this Bible story seems just that. A, a magic story, a fairy tale, a legend. It's impossible. And so it couldn't have happened. It must not have happened. There's no way. Others, particularly if you read older commentaries, go to extreme lengths to make the impossible somehow possible. Maybe the tide was low and maybe there was a full moon and maybe it wasn't the Red Sea, but the swamp down at the end of the Red Sea. And maybe they were able to wade through and then the chariots got stuck in the mud. And what does that gain us? All we're doing is just making God a God of possible things. There's no way God could do the impossible. Still others 
particularly pastors over the year, tend that the temptation is to ignore the scandal of the Scripture and just make some sort of nice, sweet metaphor out of it. But that's not what the text says. The text says there was a wall of water on the right and a wall of water on the left and dry land and dead bodies floating in the sea at the end of the story. It's not a metaphor. It's about a crushing force about to kill and God saves. There are times in the Bible when metaphor and allegory is used, but there's times when it's not. When people are hungry, Jesus gives them food to eat, not a metaphor. When people are sick, He gives them healing. When people are crippled, He gives them straightened bones. So, here's what I say. I say, let's just lean into it. Let's not explain it away. Let's not make it sound possible. Let's just embrace the impossibility of it. Let's lean into this big, scandalous, impossible story. Huh? Because if God is only the God of the possible, if I can save myself, if that which is hopeless will always be hopeless, and nothing can really be changed. Well, what are we doing here? If there's nothing you can do about it, what are we doing? The objective, brothers and sisters, is not to explain the story away so that it sounds explainable, but to embrace the improbable miracle of grace and power. To embrace the big, hairy, scary, world-changing, impossible intrusion of God on behalf of griping, complaining, faithless, unimportant, expendable refugees. Passover. Passover. For well over 3,000 years, the community of faith has gathered to remember the impossible God who does impossible things. Remember, you gather, you remember how terrible things were. Remember how everything seems fixed. Remember how we couldn't change anything. Remember how we couldn't make it better. Remember how there was nothing left to do except pray. Remember how God did do something and yet we couldn't understand it. And we lost our nerve and we complained and we said it would have been better to just live in that helpless hopelessness than to be killed out in the desert. And then God saved us anyhow. Though we griped and we complained and we lost faith, the impossible God rescued us. Remember Easter. Remember when the world did their worst to Jesus, they still couldn't win. Remember Easter, where death itself cannot win. The cemetery has no power. Resurrection, new beginnings, unexpected life where only death existed. Remember Christmas. Remember that that time when we talk about how the darkness cannot win, that light overcomes the darkest dark. And we're never without the light. Even though we live in dark times. Remember church. 
Remember this thing that's been persecuted for 2,000 years. Persecuted, slaughtered, forgotten, neglected, made fun of, ignored, scattered, closed down, and yet strong and powerful and a voice in a divided world. How is that possible? What other institution can say such a thing? Remember the pandemic. Remember when we were in the midst of a quarter of a million dollar building program and the world shut everything down and there was this global pandemic and we did it anyhow? Oh, wait a minute. Maybe God did it anyhow. Something that seemed improbable, impossible. Remember that little church that didn't like to sing? They never really found their voice while I was there, but they found their feet. And I watched them get convicted and passionate when they realized there were children going hungry in that town. And they were not going to let that happen. They were not going to let their neighbors go hungry. And that probably would have seemed impossible to me when I first got there. Hmm? A group of refugees, they enter the channel terrified and panic. Always think about that. Always think, Moses, there's a Red Sea parts. There's an escape route. Do you step forward? A wall of water on each side. Is it going to stand up? It's just this crazy phenomenon that's going to kill us. An act of faith just to walk through. A group of refugees, they enter the channel terrified in panic and they emerge on the other shore in awe of God. They enter faithless. They emerged glorifying God. They enter, they enter powerless. They emerged bathed in God's power. Miriam picks up a tambourine and the women begin to dance and to sing. I always love that image too. Everything seems over. Death is upon us. Destruction. Everything good we ever knew is about to be gone and then, like Easter morning, you turn and you realize everything is brand new. Life is in front of us. They sing. They dance. Sometimes it feels like right now we're in that channel. A wall of water on one side, a wall of water on the other side, and you don't really know how the story is going to end. There's no hindsight right now. How is our world going to turn out? And it feels like the forces of destruction are in hot pursuit. So what do we do? I get a regular email from a thing called the, the Institute of Contemplation and Action. It's a great name, right? We should call the church that. 
right? Fredericksburg Center for Contemplation and Action, right? That's what we do. Sunday morning, we pray, we contemplate. And then we go to action. Oh, wait a minute. (laughs) All my action in the world isn't going to change the world. Contemplation in God's action. Our prayers, God's action, our faith to step into that channel and somehow believe that God will get us to the other side, that our, our ending is really just our beginning. We remember who we are, what kind of God we serve, and trust and have faith and believe and strive that sometime the day will come And we'll pick up a tambourine and begin to sing and dance at God's amazing grace. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, please help us through these times to know that You've got something going on. That You hear our prayers. And that We can trust in You to lead us through to the other side. Amen.